Welcome to another message from C3 Mumbai. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. We are launching in to a new series called We Build Together. We're going to be talking into this over the next five weeks. One, th- one thing I, I need to make clear to you is this, these sermons that we are doing over the next five weeks um, are not fundraising sermons. Uh, if I was wanting to do fundraising, I would do a cake stall and or we would do some sort of thing where you bring all of your old stuff you don't want anymore and we put it in Studio 10 like this, and we sell it all, and we go, okay, fundraising. We're not fundraising, okay? What we are doing, though, is we're stepping into faith. And it's interesting how stepping into faith in all sorts of areas of our lives requires facing up to some of the fears that we have about these matters. And I want you to know something. This series that we're doing, I'm doing it afraid. Okay, I'll admit to you, I'm doing it afraid. Now, I'll say something about being afraid. If you're not afraid of anything in your life right now, you're probably not doing anything. (laughs) Yeah, I'm doing this afraid. Who knows, if you're not doing anything, you're not going to be afraid of anything. The reason why um, I'm doing this afraid is because, well, when it comes to money, hearts get exposed, right? There's nothing like money to kind of reveal where people are at. And um, I just want you to know this. No person in any way, if you feel any sense of obligation, if you feel any sense of push, if you feel any sense of manipulation, please know that that is not what we are about. We are just about one thing, moving people into faith. That's it. Because it is faith that builds our lives and it's faith that builds the kingdom. Who knows that? It's faith. It's faith. You, you know, with, with, with God, He will move us into a sense of faith. And I'm going to explain that today out of the book of Nehemiah. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the, is, is the story of Nehemiah, where Nehemiah could see that something was broken and that he needed to fix it. Who knows what our vision statement is? Know God, love people, find purpose. You know, this vision statement that we have for our church, we want people to know God. We don't want people to know an idea of God. We don't want people to, to know what other people have told them about God. We don't want people to just be following traditions, thinking that it's God, when really it's just more about them trying to please God. To know God is to have a relationship with Him. And I, I've, I've searched throughout all of the texts in all sorts of places, all over, you know, also I've read every, all of this sort of stuff. And uh, the Bible is the only place I've found where you can actually have a relationship, a one-on-one relationship with God. There's no other place. 
Everything else is do this and do that and do this and do that and do this and do that and then maybe if you're lucky, maybe then you'll have at least God looking favorably upon you. But, but no else will you see this relationship with God that has been given to us freely, that has actually cost someone something, it cost someone their life, it cost Jesus His life, He laid His life down so that we could be filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? That He can walk with us as a believer, as one that has given their hearts to, heart to the Lord. You know, we don't walk alone anymore. We walk in filled with the Spirit and empowered by the Spirit. And it's a relationship where you get to know God in one-on-one communication. I just love this about walking with the Lord. I don't, I don't know about you, but this is one of the most amazing, and it's mysterious, I don't completely get it, don't completely understand how it works, but there are moments where God has saved me from incredible failure because He's just been there for me. Can I get a witness? Anybody else had that? Amen. We want people to know God. And the, the thing about knowing God is that when you begin to know God, you begin to understand the gospel and how much God has loved us. Who knows an old scripture? John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that He gave. He gave His only Son. He so loved the world that He gave you His Son. Now, if you would believe in Him, you would have eternal life. You would have freedom from sin. He's so loved. When you experience this love, something changes in your heart. When you get undeserved love, because the fact is, we don't deserve God's love. Does, does anybody here feel that they deserve it? I mean, we don't deserve God's love, but He loved us anyway. And He didn't just say, I love you. He sent His Son as an act of love. And when we've been given this so freely, even though we are sinners, even though we have failed God, He still gave. We begin to realize that we ourselves need to do the same. And it's written in the Word. Jesus said things like this. He said, as I have loved you, love one another. So this is a natural this is a natural progression where, where people begin to know God, they begin to experience His love, and then the next, start, next part is they begin to love people. And then after that, out of love comes servanthood. Out of love comes servanthood. We begin to serve one another. And it's in serving one another where we begin to find what God has put us on this earth to do. And that is to love one another to serve one another. And out of that, we find our gifts. Out of that, we find our talents. Out of that, we find who it is that we are and who God has called us to be. But I want to tell you something, that this vision statement was birthed out of a problem. It was birthed out of a problem. It was birthed out of a place where we could see, Rachel and I could see, that there was something missing that there was not enough of churches up in this side of town. Yet, there's still, we're getting more and more, but there is not, there's still not enough of churches up this end of town that, that are helping people to know God, that are loving people, and helping people to find their purpose. We could see it. And who knows that when you see a problem, it's a challenge, right? 
when you see a problem, it's a challenge. I want to read to you Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. It's the, the beginnings of the story of Nehemiah. And I'm going to explain what I'm talking about afterwards, so stay with me. It says here, In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant. Okay, this was this man's culture was he was Jewish, and the remnant remnant was some people that that had survived in the exile. So now, to put you in place where these guys are, they were under the rule of another kingdom. Okay, and they're in the exile. Okay, and also about um, about Jerusalem. They said to me, "Those who survived the exile." are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. There's a problem. There's a problem. Nehemiah's people, the people who were meant to be the children of God, they weren't being looked after. In fact, they were living in a place that had no walls. Now, back then, it wasn't like it is today. Security was based upon the thickness and the size of the walls of your city, right? You would find safety within the city and everything out of that, outside of that was the wilderness. But the walls of, of Jerusalem were broken down because of the war. And some, and some people were left over and they were trying to live in there, but they were being attacked by wild animals and other people that were around who wanted to just come and give trouble. These people had no safety. They had no security. They had no place. They didn't, they didn't know what it was to live in a place of peace and prosperity. They didn't know what it was to be living in a place where things are in order so that you can just be fruitful. They didn't know because they didn't have safety. And, and it says here that Nehemiah... When, he, when it says in verse 4, when I, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. I want to ask you a question. What is it that wrecks you? What is it in your world that makes you just the injustice, the shame. What is it in your world that you go, you know what, that's just wrong and it needs to change? Did you know it's what wrecks you which will probably be the greatest thing that you will be, that you have been put on this world to change? Did you know that? It won't be things that are great that will wreck you. It won't be things that are awesome and working out that will wreck you. It'll be things that are broken that will wreck you. Right? Things that aren't quite right that will make you weep. We often overlook these things and we get on with our lives, right? I mean, I know what it's like. And... We come back to these things sometimes and they just wreck us. I don't know what it would be for, for all of these people in this room, but I'm telling you something. What wrecks you is probably what God is calling you to. See, the thing is, with Nehemiah, 
I mean, everybody knew that the walls were broken down. Every, all of the other Israelites, there were other, the remnant, everyone else could see that the walls were broken. But for some reason, only Nehemiah could see that it needed to be fixed. You know, this is the thing about God and how He works. We think because we can see it, everybody else can. But the truth is, maybe God is revealing it to you because He wants you to do something about it and be a leader. Amen? And, and Rachel and I, we experienced this. We know what this is like. When um, Rachel and I used to come to India, when I was a pastor in Australia, I had my church that my dad had built that I was going to take over. Everything was sorted. I also had a business uh, that was doing okay. Rachel and I were comfortable. We had a house. Rachel had a car, I had a car, it was all sorted. But I would come here and I would get disturbed. I would get disturbed. I would come here and there, there was nothing wrong so much with what I could see going on around the place. But I would somehow, I would meet people and I would say, where are the churches that these people that I'm meeting would feel comfortable in? People who may be a little bit more, uh, uh, maybe a little more globalized, maybe have had a little more than others. People whom, whom, who understand that you, in order to learn, you must question. And, and, and they may be grown up in homes where the questioning has been more encouraged than discouraged. See, I would, I would, I would come and I would be around and see what's going on in the church and stuff and good works, great stuff. But I, could, I couldn't, I, I could see a disconnect. There was a problem. I was thinking, where are the churches for these people? Where these people would at least feel comfortable enough to say to their friends, why don't you come to church with me? Good people, I could see they would go to church. They would because they want to go to church, they want to be a part of that community, they want to be a part of that, you know, that network that God has put together called His body, but scared to bring their friends. Who knows what I'm talking about? Because you just, everything's unpredictable, and we're never sure what's going to happen, right? So, so sometimes they would bring their friends, and it was a hit or miss, hit or miss. You know, sometimes it was amazing that they brought their friends, and be like, Phew. sometimes it was so embarrassing. Who knows what it's like? I know what it's like. I've, I've, in Australia, it's the same in Australia too. I remember I worked so hard to, uh, to bring my boss to church on Christmas one year. And my boss was Mr. Organization, you know, he was Mr. Together. And uh, things didn't work out for that Christmas. I don't know what was going on, but things were late. People weren't doing their singing parts, so it was all a bit wonky, uh, you know, and uh, the Christmas carols. And, and they were laughing. They were laughing. I was so embarrassed. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. Who knows what I'm feeling, right? I remember thinking at that point, man, I think, I think the church would just grow more if people knew that they're safe in the house of God, that there's safety that things are in order, 
And little did I know that as I'm looking at this and coming here, all it was was a, a little idea. Maybe, maybe, maybe if there was a church like what I feel, what I can see in Bombay, maybe God would do something. It was just a maybe. But there was a problem. Who knows that there was a problem? Who knows what the problem was? The problem was, I lived in Australia. Our lives were there. We were set up there. We had it sorted out there. Our future was there. But I could see an issue. And, 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 and this is what we do with problems. That sometimes they, they wreck us. They, they shake us. But we kind of just put them out. Right? We maybe wait for them to go away. Or maybe we just wait for someone else to do it. We ignore it. We hope for the best. Or, or here's another thing we do with problems sometimes. We look for better options. Right? We just look for better options because uh, there's a problem there. I can't, I can't deal with it. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know what to do about it. So I'm just going to look for a better option. Right? But with Nehemiah, and I think with us, and you see this theme running throughout the Bible, that God would illuminate problems and issues to people and it was that very issue that would be the thing that they would change. C3 Mumbai and what God has done here was birthed out of a problem. It was birthed out of an issue. We could see that there needed to be more churches like this in this city for the people of this city so that they could come and feel safe, that, so that they could come and grow, so that they could come and have the networks that the church is meant to be, safety. And not just a church for, 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 for a, a particular age group, a church for everyone. One of the things that Rachel and I have always wanted is to have a generational church, and I, I'm just so excited that we're seeing that happen here, a church full of families. Because I know in Indian culture, this is one thing I could see also, is like, so if, what if a person, they come to the Lord and their family's not into it? It might happen here. I mean, let's just face it, it might happen from time to time. And if we don't have it down here where we have worked on, where we have got relationships together, where we have, we have passed through our conflict and, 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 and gotten on the other side of it and forgiven each other and we're, like, we're working on our relationships together. If we don't get that safety happening in here, you know, then it's, 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 it's never, it's never going to be an attractive place. You know what our, 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 our Connect Group mission statement is? It's just to build significant... Christ-centered relationships. That's what it's all about. That's, that's what we're about. We just want significant Christ-centered relationships. So that when that person who was lost comes into a family, God's, the Bible says that, that God brings the lonely into families, right? So as, as God brings them in, that they have safety, they have an environment, that if the world turns their back on them, which happens from time to time, they have a network of true friends that will be there in hospital when they're sick. <laughs> that will be there laying hands on them when their business goes for a toss. That will be there for them when their grandma's in hospital. When, that will be there for them 
praying, them, praying with them through their career issues that will be there for them, for the real issues of life. We're about that in this church. But we could see that there was just not enough of this happening up in this side of town. There's just not enough. For whatever reason. One of the, one of the reasons was the expense. Who knows that South Bombay is dora dora expensive. <laughs> now, I don't know if God tricked me. He just played on my ignorance. But you know, to be honest, when I, when I, when I passed through this area in the car, it was uh, back when all the flyovers had just been built, I felt like God saying, there, there's somewhere around there. You need to plant a church around there. Just up this, um, where am I? There. As the, the, that road that takes you up to the mall. As we're driving up on that road. I felt like there was a big red pin, like there. And I didn't understand. I had no idea of the economics of this area and what this place actually represents for Bombay. No idea. I wish I knew. You know, the thing is, I probably wouldn't have done it had I known how expensive it would be. <laughs> I kid you not. It's expensive. But you've got to understand, see, that's a problem. It's an issue. And the things of God are often birthed out of problems. The things that God wants to do are often birthed out of issues, out of stuff. And we leave them, we, we, we go, no, 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 hold on to Jesus. I want a life with no problems, right? We pray for the life with no problems. God, I just pray that all my problems will go away. Ever prayed that prayer or something like it? Guilty. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. And God's like, no, 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 no. Hold on a second. You're not understanding something. I'm with you in the chaos. I'm with you in the, in the rot. I'm, in, I'm with you. Right now, I'm with you fighting in that place where you are fighting. And we forget that. We're, just, we're so busy trying to dig ourselves out. And God's like, where are you going? Why are you trying to dig yourself out of the issue that's going to bring your breakthrough? Just trust God. He's there with you. You should watch the movie if you haven't seen it. It's a movie called Tare Zamin Pa. Be gracious. <laughs> Magora, foreigner. Can't speak the words properly. But I know one thing about that movie. I wept the whole movie. I wept and wept and wept and wept. And even when I think about it today, and you know why I wept in that movie? This is the story. The story is, there's a high-achieving father. There's a mother left at home who's got the two children, the two boys. The boy, oldest, who's like the dad, overachiever. And then they have this one son who's autistic. And you can see, running through that movie, that the culture doesn't know so much what to do with weakness, with a son who hasn't got it worked out. And you can see the pressure on the father and what it does to him. And you can see the pressure on the mother and what it does to her. And you can see this little boy whose life has been shaped by these two parents who don't know what it is or what it is to do with weakness. And as I watch that movie, something got my heart. And this is why we want to be a generational church. Something just dropped into my heart. And I was like, God, 
I know you're calling me here. I didn't tell Rachel because I didn't want her to get excited. <laughs> but I'm telling you something, it wrecked me. For weeks after that, I think about that movie, I know, why are you calling me there, Lord God? I've got it all sorted out here. It's not where I thought I would be. I'm so glad God led me here. I'm so glad God has done what He's done. It's just amazing. But it wrecked me. It wrecked me. I just want to ask you something. What is it that you can see that should be, that could be? What is it that you can see that should be, that could be? Don't assume that everybody else can see it. It's probably just you that can see it because God is illuminating it to you. But the problem with problems is they call us to a stretch. And this is a pattern that runs throughout the Bible. Whenever there's a problem, God calls us to stretch. He will call us beyond who we are and beyond our abilities into His abilities. And that takes a step of faith. And that step of faith is surrender. It's surrender. It's surrender. Let me read the rest of the story with Nehemiah. I mean, there's a whole book, but I'm just reading part of it. Nehemiah 1, 11 to 2, verse 9. Nehemiah says this. He, he goes and prays after weeping. and He said, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was a cupbearer to the king. Now that's important to note, he was a cupbearer. He had the king's ear. But what was his job? What was his job? Serve the king. But what was he feeling? Well, we'll read on and you'll see that this guy wants to rebuild that wall. But there's a massive problem here. He ain't a builder. He isn't a person of influence that can go and build walls around cities that have been conquered. So what happens in the month of Nisan? It's not the car. In the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was bought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I, I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid. I was scared. I was really, really, I was shaking in my boots. But I said to the king, you see, the things of God, when God reveals an issue to you, when there's problems in your world, to face up to that problem, let me tell you something. It's going to scare you. Who knows what I'm talking about? The real issues of life. The things you don't want to deal with. The things you want to just put to the side and hope that everything stays comfortable. It doesn't work like that. You know, you've got to face up to your issues. You know the reason why we can't face up to our issues and the things that we leave to the side? The relationship problems, the, 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 the issues that we're not dealing with wherever it, they are in our lives. You know the reason why? It's because we're afraid of what might happen. We're scared. But you know God wants to take you into 
the things that you are most afraid of, that you are most fearful of, so that you can see Him have breakthrough on your behalf. Did you know that? This is what happens with Nehemiah. He does it afraid. But I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. It's important to note. I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Now, what was his job? He's a cupbearer to the king. He's asking to do something that is completely off-center. And you don't ask kings these sorts of things. You're like, no, no, hold on a second. I don't know if you've understood. I've hired you. You're a part of my little thing here. You're my trusted cupbearer. Would appreciate it if you just never talk to me about this again because that's an idiotic idea you have. If you want to talk to your auntie about getting their uncle to go and rebuild the wall, I'll send a letter. But you going? This was the issue for this guy. Then the king said, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of the trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me with safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the royal park, so he will give me the timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. So I'm going to build myself a house there. Will you please give me the timber for that? And because, I want you to hear this, and because... The gracious hand of my God was on me. The king granted my requests. So I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. And the king also sent army officers and cavalry with me. I want you to hear this. Problem, surrender, stretch, provision. This is the pattern you'll see throughout the Bible. It's everywhere. There's a problem. The person who can see the problem is called to a place where they have realized that they're not able, but in God they're able, so they surrender. In that surrender, God calls them to a stretch, and God provides. Here's how it works in our lives. Now, you can apply this to anything, your business, your family issues, your I don't know, education issues, your anything issues, wherever you're at right now. You'll face a problem. As you bring that problem to the Lord and surrender to Him, He will take you into a place where He will stretch you, where you will need to step beyond who you are and go into who Christ is for you. And in that, as you do it, you will see provision. God calls us to build. This is how it works. God calls us to build. We face barriers and our surrender brings about provision. I was a cupbearer and I was afraid, but the hand of God was upon me. We as a church, why we're doing this, we build together, we have an issue. 
we have an issue, we have a problem. We are going to a second service because as you can see today and every week, we're more than 70% full. Any church planner will tell you, once your room is filled beyond 70% on a regular basis, you need to either move out of the building or you need to take on a second service. We looked everywhere, high and low, for a new place. We realized that we cannot take another place permanently because of the cost. Once we, you know, want a common area and, you know, a place where we can sit 300 people and all of the facilities, you start going into uh, a rent of about, for permanent places, rent of about 10 lakhs a month. Plus, you need about a crore or two, whatever it costs, to fit them out because everything else beyond this building is an empty concrete shell. We were really blessed with this place, right? really blessed. And uh, I'm just, God provided for us, okay? And it, we have, so we're going into the second service. We're making the most of this auditorium. We're making the most of what God has provided. But let me tell you something. We can only do so many services, okay, as the size church we are there is going to come a point where we are going to have to take a massive step forward. It's a problem. Financially, it's a problem, people. But I ain't afraid of the problem. I choose not to be. I'm afraid of God. My fear is in Him. I'm going to choose my fears, man. I know this God is a God of provision. And if there's one thing he provides for, it's his church. But let me tell you something. The way he provides (laughs) is through his body. (laughs) Can Can you imagine God, you know, I mean, the Bible says that, that, that the church is Christ's body. And him saying, you know what, I'm just, I'm just going to leave all of the blood in the head, you know. The rest of the body, the lifeblood of the the body, I'm not going to provide for. I'm just going to kind of let it be. What would happen to the body? It would die. That's the obvious. uh, I'm I'm not a doctor, but it's probably what's going to happen. I want to encourage you guys because... As we move forward into this We Build Together, a big part you need to understand, it is not about Rachel and I. It's not. This is about this city. It's about the lost. And what we do when we begin to create places like this is we create an altar on earth where lives get changed forever. We create a place where moments happen, where God comes and He just moves through His people. Where two or three are gathered. The presence of God is right there. We create places, we, we make places, and God has called us to do that. But you know what? <laughs> one, of the, one of my favorite preachers, so I, 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 I love what he says, and one of, one of the sayings he says is, God gives us the trees, but he calls us to make the tables. He gives us the trees, but he calls us to make the tables. And we as a church are moving on into an issue where we begin to see God's provision in ways that we've never seen it before, but there is a step of faith that we need to take. There is. And I want to encourage you, in this area, don't go to fear. Don't go to fear. Don't go to fear. Go to faith. Don't go to fear. Go to faith. Because you'll see as you go to faith that the hand of the Lord is upon faith. 
Can I read this scripture to you? Hebrews 11, verse 17 to 34. By faith, when God tested him, Abraham, when God tested him, he offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from, the, from death. There's a problem, right? Abraham had a problem. God had called him to sacrifice his son. It's a problem. But through that, God taught Abraham something. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. There was a problem with Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons. And as he leaned on the top of his staff, he didn't see Joseph for most of his life. There was an issue. There was a problem. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and that they were not afraid of the kings and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of great value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. Could you imagine how scary that would have been, the Passover? By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. That's a bit of a problem, an army chasing you. Oh God, I want an easy life. Yeah, okay. There's an army chasing you. Run. I'm going to provide for you, right? By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness, everybody say weakness, weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies by faith. Come on now, give God a clap. It's a moment of faith. We build together is a moment of faith for this church where we step forward and say, no, 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 we're here to stay. We're taking ground. We're going to build a great church where our children's children are going to come. Where are your kids going to go to church, guys? Where are your grandkids going to go to church? We've got to build it. It doesn't just appear. It doesn't just appear. It happens by faith. C3 Mumbai is a church in the heart of India's commercial capital where a diverse group of people brought together to worship God and to pass on the hope of salvation by grace that we freely received. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram or tweet us on our handle at C3Mumbai.
Hey, it's Ryan here. If you enjoyed this message and you live in Mumbai, we would love to meet you in person. Why don't you come along 11.30 a.m. Studio 10 at Famous Studios in Mahalakshmi.